Hello and welcome to Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction brought to you by the Modular Building Institute. With a compact footprint, variety of unit options, and seamless system management, city multi-variable refrigerant flow zoning systems from Mitsubishi Electric Train HVAC US are a one-stop solution for modular projects. With efficient operation and the ability to connect to commercial ventilation equipment, third-party systems, and comprehensive control solutions, City Multi VRF can help you meet energy and performance goals on your next project. From off-site development to on-site assembly, you can trust our manufacturer-level support to guide you from system selection to design to startup, no matter the application. To learn more about our offerings, visit MitsubishiPro.com. Welcome everyone, my name is John McMullen and I'm the Marketing Director here at MBI. Today I'm talking with Pedro Tavares and Anthony Goudet of RNS Tavares Associates. Anthony and Pedro are here to talk about how owners and developers that are new to modular construction can more easily integrate it into their project plans. Anthony and Pedro, thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks for having us. So, uh, Happy to be here. Pedro, uh, let's dive right in. I'll start with you. Can you give me a little bit of background on your firm and, and tell us about yourself and, and your background in the industry? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, our firm was started by my parents, Ralph and Silvano. Uh, my father's uh, an engineer. My mother's an architect. And um, they uh, moved our family from Rio de Janeiro to uh, New York, the New York City area in 1987. Uh, basically, my father was sent there to investigate real estate at the time for uh, an employer he was working for in Rio. And uh, what he found when he came out here in 1987 was that the U.S. was in the middle of a recession. There wasn't much going on, but he saw modular construction projects going up. And so he started asking some questions. He got taken to some job sites. He made a few suggestions, and he was offered a job. And so um, he's been working in the modular industry since that time in 87. And uh, he and my mother uh, went on to become an implant engineer and architect at uh, Westchester Modular Homes um, around that time and I uh, worked there for several years. My father then went on to continue working at different modular manufacturers across the country, moving us, my whole family, from uh, initially in Connecticut to upstate New York, down to Orlando, Florida, to Kansas City. And then uh, we made it out to California in 1999, where he was working for uh, a manufacturer in the Central Valley. Um, in about 2002, uh, he decided to start his own consulting business with my mother, and uh, that's when RNS Tavares was formed. And uh, he took on a lot of the modular clientele he developed over the years. In 2007, we uh, opened the office in San Diego to attract more talent. We had a hard time finding any in the Central Valley. And um, that's uh, where we've been permanently stationed since. Um, my father, uh, he currently carries a PE license in 43 states. Uh, he's the chairman of the design committee of, the, of MBIs. He's also a trustee of the Educational Foundation and um, a five-year former board member, and he's he served on and off the board. Uh, in 2013, he uh, received an Outstanding Achievement Award for contributions toward the modular industry, and uh, a number of our projects have won awards of distinction as direct recipients or affiliates. And uh, my father contributed to the uh, guidelines for the safe use of ISO shipping containers, and uh, he's currently working on authoring the 2024 IBC chapters related to modular construction with that task force. That's an, that's an amazing history. Um, I, I didn't know uh, Ralph started back in 1987, so that was very cool to hear. Um, that's, a, that's a great story. Thank you. Anthony, yeah. how about yourself? What's your, what's your background? 
Uh, well, I have an engineering uh, background. I went to school in Hoboken, New Jersey, um, also from the New York area, I suppose. Um, I later got my MBA and um, started working in the New York investment scene, uh, primarily with uh, asset managers and national general contractors. Um, discovered modular and uh, really never looked back. So I had been uh, tracking uh, the Tavares team for some time um, and joined uh, when I realized they op had opened an office uh, shortly thereafter. Very good. So. Pedro, back to you. RNS uh, has a long history. Uh, so, as a firm and as an individual, I guess that, that's had a considerable inter, uh, experience in the industry. How do you help those who are new to modular? Uh, traditional owner developers, for example, how do you help them wrap their heads around the concept of modular construction? Why should they make that leap? So, uh, for anyone that's that's stepping into modular for the first time. Uh, you know, we can take them by uh, making an introduction to a vast network of uh, manufacturers that we work with. And, uh, you know, what we think is important is uh, when you're starting a project off in modular that you have uh, that sort of team um, set from very early on, uh, including potentially identifying a manufacturer, because I think there's a lot of benefits in having a manufacturer on board when you are uh, working, you know, within their preferences and that particular manufacturer's idiosyncrasies, for instance. And uh, in that case, you get to also take advantage of, you know, their materials that they commonly use. They have a tremendous amount of purchasing power, for instance. And so if, if you're able to work within the sort of guidelines of that manufacturer, then I think, you know, that, that helps push a project along a little easier on the modular side. So for the owners and developers who, who truly are new to modular, uh, having the team in place is critical, of course, but I was wondering if you could uh, describe for us some of the benefits for that owner-developer to to get into modular, to, to bring a modular project into their portfolio. What are the benefits for them? Well, we're big believers in, in modular construction. I think, um, you know, to be honest, the, the U.S. has a long ways to go in uh, sort of getting to the the point where, you know, we see modular happening uh, across the pond in, in Europe and Scandinavia, Japan and, and those places. But, um, you know, we're big believers in, in what modular should be and, and what it can do. And what I think the, the main um, benefit of modular construction is, of course, the, the time savings that we find, you know, like we, we've seen significant schedule uh, shortenings on, on projects that uh, contribute in a large amount to the amount of construction financing needed, the amount of overhead that's uh, needed on site and, um, you know, a faster time to occupancy helps everyone's performance. And, and so Anthony, I'll turn to you. I've got sort of a, a follow-up question based on what Pedro said. Pedro was talking about getting a team together, which is critical. What about the, the design process for modular? Uh, what, what are the unique considerations uh, for a designer in that, as part of that team? What should they know before starting out on their first modular project? Okay, uh, well, uh, I can answer that in a, in a number of ways, but I guess we could say that the timelines being accelerated and the benefits of modular construction, uh, there is a trade-off, uh, and that's that uh, teams need to work uh, more cohesively, and that ultimately the way uh, the constraints of fabricators work, you have to front-load that design process um, into the, the project workflow. So. Ultimately, it's what many designers 
uh, should acknowledge early on is that the design process looks very different uh, than that of traditional construction, maybe not in form, but in, in structure, um, and the importance of communication across the team. So at RST, we've invested a lot in keeping our, our teams uh, cohesive and streamlined to turn around uh, designs quickly because ultimately there's more of a call for for speed and accuracy early on in the process. So I would say that those are the two primary uh, focuses that, that should be brought to a designer's attention early on in the project. Gotcha. Uh, Pedro. If I could jump in with uh, Oh, sure. If, yeah, if I could jump in with a plug real quick. Um, one thing that's unique about us is that we have, um, you know, our staff right now is, is half architectural designers and half engineers. And um, I think that's unique for a, a firm of our uh, type catering to modular construction. We handle basically every discipline in-house. We'll, um, we'll author the A, S, and MEP sheets on a project. And so we're kind of a one-stop shop for uh, anyone looking at doing a modular project. Well, that, um, that's fantastic. You actually led me in uh, to my next question. Um, uh, we were talking about designers and you brought up engineers. Uh, Pedro, I was wondering if you could speak to something for me. Uh, how can modular engineers, with all the variables that they juggle on any given project, uh, materials volatility, location, the needs of the facility, all these things, how can they best leverage the modular construction process? I think the best leveraging comes really from, uh, you know, getting uh, into the weeds with that manufacturer and, and seeing, you know, what they're comfortable with and, and what makes them sort of, you know, take a step back. Because if, if you go in with a lot of complexity that a manufacturer is not used to, like you're going to, you're going to wind up with uh, scheduling problems, you know, delays in the construction and uh, probably a cost increase just because, you know, it's kind of strange. Um, when we developed uh, our first project here in San Diego, we got into development um, a number of years ago. And uh, it was funny because we go to manufacturer A, for instance, and say like, we, you know, we want to type um, a level four drywall finish. And they'd say, well, that's going to be way too expensive. We're not going to be able to do that. Um, and then we'd also tell them, you know, and this was like a predominantly residential builder, uh, manufacturer A, for instance, what I'm talking about in this case. You know, we'd say like, we want our uh, bathroom um, fully tiled, you know, floors and walls. And uh, they'd say, okay, that's no problem. Manufacturer B, on the other hand, it's more of a commercial modular builder, we'd say, you know, we want that level four drywall finish. They said no problem to that, uh, but the tile work was a big problem for them. And so it's just kind of these uh, trade-offs between manufacturers and what they're used to. Hmm. So let's, let's go back to that first time uh, owner developer, Anthony. Um, the first time owner developer, once he or she has a project in mind and has started to work on a plan, when does the full team that, that Pedro mentioned early on, when does that full team of GCs, the manufacturers, when do they, when do they come into the picture? And, and what's the best way for that team to communicate and coordinate? Well, the, the answer to that one is simple, uh, as early and as soon as possible. Um, the, we, we see a great benefit uh, in those project teams that come together early, uh, primarily so we can sort out those trade-offs that uh, Pedro is referring to, or efficiencies that we can gain early in the process. And then um, as that team comes together and everyone gets familiar uh, with uh, the needs of, the, uh, of this unified group, uh, then determine how you're going to translate uh, and communicate designs and drafts 
uh, and how you're going to approach the project uh, from a scheduling standpoint. So ultimately, the answer is uh, as early as possible and, and open up your options to those team members that are best suited for the project. Um, many want to win the business, of course, but there's a lot of different considerations from geography to finishes, uh, as Pedro was referring to. So um, that's, that's best sorted out as early as possible. And, and Pedro, again, for the first-time owner-developer, what are some of the unique construction considerations involved in modular? Uh, what should they expect, and, and how will it differ from their traditional stick-built projects that they've done in the past? Uh, I think, um, you know, you need to be aware that uh, our, the modules themselves, uh, they're basically limited by shipping constraints and uh, what we can do on, on the road and, uh, you know, perhaps at sea or however these modules are getting to the site. And so... You know, there's uh, width um, limitations on those, and uh, you know, with varying widths come increased costs because uh, once you pass certain thresholds, there are pilot cars needed and things like that. Perhaps CHP or uh, highway patrol escorts that get kind of expensive. Um, there's also a height consideration due to shipping. You know, um, getting on, under those overpasses mm -hmm. and other areas like that. Uh, once you exceed a certain height, you're uh, you need to get a, a specific kind of special permit that also gets expensive. And then, of course, there's the length as well, which um, is kind of unlimited, actually. You, you'll see, you know, those wind turbine blades going down the, the highway at times. Um, the length isn't really uh, much of a limitation other than the, the manufacturer can't always build, you know. the It's often limited by the manufacturer's capability of what they can fit in, under their roof. Um, and so I think that those are, are the biggest considerations um, you know, when designing a modular project and exactly where those mate lines meet up, how you're doing your service crossovers with plumbing, electrical, and mechanical. And those, yeah, those are definitely the, the largest considerations that they'd be made on a modular project. Gotcha. Um, it's a question for both of you. Uh, in, in all your time at, at RST, can you tell me about some of the lessons you've learned uh, during your time in the industry? Are there specific projects that you can tell us about that were particularly helpful in your understanding of the potential for modular? And one project uh, in particular that I, I lost a lot of hair on was um, the replacement hospital in Joplin, Missouri for uh, the hospital that got destroyed by a, a Category 5 tornado oh, wow. um, a number of years ago. And that project um, wound up being the fastest built medical facility of its size like in, in the United States. And uh, that was, um, there was a rush, you know, to get that done, that that area had a need for uh, that, you know, that facility. And so um, everybody really kind of put the boots to the ground and uh, worked that out. We got that thing designed and uh, permitted in, you know, probably a record amount of time. And uh, it was up and running um, soon after with the involvement of a couple of manufacturers, um, Walden Structures, that's no longer uh, a manufacturer here in California, as well as NRB, I think, uh, worked on modules for that, and we shipped it out to uh, Joplin and got that up and running so, for that area. That so, was, uh, so what was the key to the getting that done so quickly? It was just a, a really integrated design team. You okay. know, the manufacturer, um, ourselves, and uh, the architect in that case were uh, just you know, in constant communication and just we were, you know, just uh, sending paperwork, just sending drawings back and forth and, and having like a, a good uh, RFI process and things like that. 
Anthony, were you going to say something earlier? Oh yes, uh, I was going to have Pedro take it first with the with the project experience. I had a feeling he'd bring that one up. Um, for for me, uh, being involved uh, and sort of transitioning to a structural focused firm, uh, for for me, highlighted the importance of uh, structural value engineering. Really, from from being one of the primary uh, cruxes, sort of in getting that uh, value from your from your modular project. Uh, before that, I was at TC firms, and, and there was a lot of coordination and emphasis on on planning. Um, but it wasn't until I was here, sort of um, uh, as a co-pilot, uh, that I really got to see firsthand how that kind of comes together. And then, of course, like um, what the key to a great project is is that integration and that cross communication across the teams. Um, and really, there's there's a direct link. There's almost less of a uh, there's a, a need for that efficiency uh, for it all to come together and, and that's primarily where firms should be uh, investing and, and progressing and RT that's our that's our um, our system and our process is to uh, work as efficiently and quickly and effectively with clients and partners excellent I got one more question what does the the rest of 2021 look like for RST I've been talking to lots of people and their calendars are full so what, what's the year look like for you and beyond that? Well, um, just in the last uh, few months, uh, we made a, a handful of hires growing rather quickly. And, and yes, like, um, like much of the modular design uh, and construction industry, uh, we're seeing quite a pickup in demand. Um, so we're, we're out here meeting that demand, trying to make sure we serve our, our clients as, um, as incredibly effectively. And um, yeah, so it's, it's mostly a higher up to meet demand and and streamlining those systems so we can turn around designs quickly and, and get these projects out the door. Out of curiosity, have you noticed any trends lately in, in what you're designing, the types of projects that, that come in the door, or is it a mixed bag? Oh boy, it's mixed. Uh, Pedro, do you want to uh, do you want to check that one? Yeah, sure. It is mixed, but we're real busy on the, the ADU side of things right now. The state of California is, is really pushing um, the creation of those, trying to, to meet, you know, housing demands uh -huh. and thinking that that might be uh, a way to do it. And so we're, we're doing a lot of ADUs. Um, container projects uh, are still popular and keep becoming more popular. So we're doing a lot of container projects. And uh, then, um, you know, just multifamily. It's, it's the same thing, the housing crisis in mm -hmm. uh, California. Is just pushing uh, multifamily projects, and so a lot of, you know, five over one, five over two podium projects and big apartment projects, things like that. That's a, a lot of what we're doing right now. Nice. I know MBI is in, involved in a lot of stuff in California, in lots of states, but particularly in California, getting those projects off the ground and trying to clear some red tape. So that's great that you guys are are staying busy with that. Thank you guys so much for your time today. I think this was really great information. Uh, I, I think the the first time owner developer. Hearing this, we'll have a much better understanding of what to expect, what he's getting into. Um, so thanks again. This was this was great. Yeah, thank you, John. Thank you very much, John. Thank you for having us. My name is John McMullen, and this has been another episode of Inside Modular, the podcast of commercial modular construction. Until next time.